Welcome to the podcast of New City Church. We hope this podcast inspires you on your journey of inward and outward transformation. Please join us on Sundays. You can find more information on our website, grownewcity.church. God bless you. Forgiveness is so hard that it requires a miracle. And we'll be talking a little bit today about how that miracle happens. Um, and I know that this is relevant to current events because I was, um, this past summer, I was an adjudicator to a grant. I won't name the organization, but it was like a large grant. Like they were giving out a, a good chunk of change. And so it was uh, for uh, ecumenical Christian grant. Ecumenical means like the different flavors of Christianity put together. So, um, so we got applications from like every state, like it was like 800 applications. I was adjudicating them, like really um, uh, pouring over these. And one of the questions that we asked is, what do you think is the primary challenge that we are facing in this moment? What is the challenge that we are facing in this moment? And I'd be kind of curious how you'd respond to that. But just in my very unofficial, like I only read probably a quarter of the grants, but I did notice a trend. And that trend was that when the grants came from uh, white institutions, especially like white uh, conservative, uh, we in the grant, we had people talk about kind of their uh, racial makeup and the racial makeup of their project. Um, I, in uh, like some of the like middle conservative leaning white uh, applications, the theme that I saw come up again and again was the number one problem that our society is facing is divisiveness, the growing chasm between groups of people. And the projects often were uh, reflective of that being the problem that they were trying to solve. Another category uh, was um, historic institutions of color that applied to this, both conservative and progressive, by the way. Um, so this isn't just uh, uh, one way or the other. That said that the number one problem that we're facing in this moment is the violent rise of white supremacy. And I think that that is a really interesting, these are hundreds of applications all over the country. They did not talk to each other. Like they just like applied. And then th these are like the themes that we saw. And of course, by the way, there were uh, white institutions that named uh, the violent rise of white supremacy, and there were institutions of color that named divisiveness. So it wasn't like a simplistic category, but it did seem like there was a trend of, of people noticing like something doesn't feel quite right. And some people are like painting that as divisiveness, and some people are painting that as the violent rise of white supremacy. And you can see how these things are uh, uh, the path to reach the solutions to these goals are kind of at odds to each other. Because if uh, the problem is divisiveness, then the, it tends to um, draw upon a lot of like peacemaker strategies, a lot of like Enneagram 9 strategies, um, uh, and, at, which at its, uh, by the way, at its, at its worst is like, we're going to suppress any type of argumentation or suppress any type of conflict. If we aren't, if the conflict isn't being yelled about, then everything is okay. That's kind of like an unhealthy nine. I should also mention that there are groups that are taking very healthy nine approaches. 
healthy peacemaker approaches, which is like, um, we are going to lean into this, the Faith Matters Network is an example of this. We're going to lean into uh, uh, this polarization and create relationships, but not assume that that requires a suppression of, of um, conflict, right? Okay, so, uh, so we see kind of like if there is divisiveness, then Christians who believe that divisiveness is the problem generally call upon peacemaker skills, which by the way, Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. So it's like, okay, that is one trajectory. Another trajectory is that the violence of white supremacy is like um, something that like has to, um, it can't be buried. It has to be like uprooted. You can't just like kill it by just like putting layers and layers of stuff on it. Like it actually has to like be excavated and then uprooted. And those are, that usually involves a lot of discomfort. And so, um, and so I kind of see that as like a, a, a strategy of a six, by the way. Um, sixes are very good, like, <laughs> seek and destroy isn't the right, sixes can kind of help me out. It's like this vigilance that's like, I, if something is bothering me, like we must address it. And, and sixes are often in social justice because of that, by the way. Um, and sixes are the, um, the loyalist, the community builder. If you don't know the Enneagram, then, uh, definitely know that, like, you are still welcome at this church, despite what is being said in the comments. That is so Enneagrammatic. I can't even, uh, stand it. Um, another way, so do you see what I mean, though? Like, there's kind of a divergence of strategies. Um, if, uh, the way that I see that from a privilege lens is, um, have you all ever heard of um, baseball? I, <laughs> I'm trying to be inclusive. So it's kind of like the folks who are like, no, white supremacy is the problem are saying like, we have to go to first and then second and then third base. Like we have to look at processes of confession and repentance and repair before we can like get to know peace, right? Like we have to like go around and then uh, folks who are like choosing to not recognize white supremacy are like, we're already on home base. Why don't you just give us a score? Why don't you just give us a point? <laughs> we're already here and we have to get here to get a point. Why don't we just already, we're already here. <laughs> Why do we have to do the work to go all the way around if we're just gonna end up like, come on, we're already here. We can just kind of win, right? And that's. That's where uh, <laughs> this like um, this like contrast is is really in tension with each other, right? Because it's like, do we need to create discomfort to get peace, or do we need to like settle into peace to get peace? And I think uh, you know it's a lot of people at New City uh, protest and go to protests and demonstrations and and chant and and gather together. And one of the things that we say is um, uh, no justice, no peace, no justice, no peace. And a lot of times that's received as a threat, like no justice, no peace. That just means that uh, uh, we're just being held hostage. And if, if these folks in the street don't get their way, then they're gonna like mess things up. Uh, so it's like no justice, no peace. Oh, that's a threat. But as someone who has like chanted that a lot in the streets, it's like, no justice, no peace is a statement of reality. Like no justice, no peace is like, this is just, we're just reminding you how the world works. Like we could also be saying gravity is real or 
you shouldn't make decisions when you're hungry. Like this, <laughs> we're, just, we're just naming like no justice, no peace is like, uh, uh, this is just like, we will never find peace if there isn't justice. I see that some folks in the comments uh, would like to make that a threat, right? <laughs> like, okay, that is certainly your choice. But I just feel like no justice, no peace is like, if peace is what you desire, you will never get there without justice. And that usually means intentionally moving towards discomfort instead of moving away from discomfort. That usually means heading towards a cross and then a tomb and then resurrection instead of just quieting down the masses. It usually means like arguing, I'm thinking like Paul in the marketplace, like arguing and debating with people rather than just like, okay, whatever you say is fine. You know, like we have precedent, Christian precedents of saying like, if we don't lean into it and like uproot some of this stuff that, um, that we, it's just kind of hard to ever get to the goals that we're trying to get to. And perhaps that is a way to describe what Christianity is attempting to do is like whatever goals that you have in mind, whether it be uh, what, uh, 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 reform, a deep connection, uh, esteem, emotional authenticity, uh, the pursuit of truth, community, joyfulness, uh, uh, um, groundedness and embodiment or peace, like whatever you're kind of searching for, like usually we have to do the opposite of what intuitively comes to us for us to be able to pursue that. And that is the way of, of Jesus. And I think it's really easy for us to like get into the the social justice discourse and be like, no, we have to bring up the hard stuff. We have to bring up the hard stuff. Come on, come on. We have to like, uh, the people are arising. Like we, uh, we have to, we have to do this to create um, justice. But then when it comes to interpersonal things, oh, when it comes to like family relationships, when it comes to that talk with your roommate, oh, when it comes to that dysfunctional boss, uh-oh. When it comes to your neighbor who continues to throw parties on Saturday night, like it's like, this is when suddenly the fractal isn't like, we're not looking at systemic things, we're looking at interpersonal dynamics. And that for a lot of folks is a lot harder. Like look at that poll that we just took, <laughs> like, it seems like 96% of our community is like a lot on board <laughs> for like, yeah, discomfort, create uh, justice to create peace. And then, uh-oh, but when we apply that to ourselves, suddenly it's like, oh, but I don't, no, I can, I can, I can definitely ghost this one out, <laughs> right? Like I can definitely, don't, don't worry about me. Like, no, 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 it'll be fine. Let's just like, as long as, as long as no one's arguing, there is peace. As long as, you know, like, like, it's just, let's just shy away from that, right? Like, that is something that I think many people at New City uh, have, have uh, a fraught relationship with. I'm not going to say humans in general, but like many people at New City, right? <laughs> that meme of when you call yourself a community organizer, but you're not on speaking terms with your roommates. Uh-oh! Like, this is what we're talking about right now. So, like, that kind of energy, I think, is the type of energy 
that God is being called to bring into our um, relationships. And I think that uh, 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 Jacob and Esau is such a beautiful rendering of, of what that can look like. Because by the way, in case you missed last week when Heidi preached on Hagar, like sometimes relationships split and there is not necessarily reconciliation in this life. Sometimes that happens. Genesis accounts for that. But Genesis is like, we are not telling the whole story if we don't show how God is trying to create reconciliation among all people and that it does happen sometimes. It, that, that, uh, that same spirit can disrupt uh, toxic familial patterns, that, that the generational sin of conflict avoidance can end with the Holy Spirit showing up right now. And if we don't also tell that story, if we don't look at the end of Jacob and Esau's life and only look at the beginning of Jacob and Esau's life, we're not giving God credit for what God can do in this world. And so we have to approach reconciliation with the same passion that we approach justice in this world. We have to look at those tough conversations with the same fervor and trust that it is possible as we approach justice. Because why do we fill the streets? We fill the streets because we believe that a better world is possible. And that is also why we have to have talks at the kitchen table, why we have to have a living room conversation that's just going to be a little awkward, folks. We have to lean into this because if we don't, we're selling God short. We're selling the Holy Spirit short, saying there's no way that the Holy Spirit can create something better out of this, so I'm just going to seal this tomb and call it a day, right? Like, we're not letting God be God if we're not opening doors for the Holy Spirit to come into our relationships, and that is the task, that is the faithful task of interpersonal navigation. And as we're in the aftermath of COVID, you know, I bet that there's a lot of folks that you were like, I don't have to deal with you because I'm quarantined or because I'm shutting away. But now all of a sudden we're starting to reemerge into society. Now all of a sudden it's like, oh shoot, I have to see her again. Oh dang it, they're going to be in my life and we did not end on good terms. Like we got to show up to those conversations with some Holy Spirit fervor. And uh, Jacob and Esau uh, are a great example of Jacob who did do wrong to Esau, showing a lot of generosity, repair, starting the conversation, initiating this, and saying, like, I'm not going to let the guilt that broke us apart going to determine the nature of our relationship. I'm going to let the love that God gave us determine the nature of our relationship. And so here's this extremely generous gift without expectation of, res of real response or reconciliation. But Jacob just being like, I that was... That was rough. I'm giving this to you because I stole your birthright and I'm going to like recompense that in a certain powerful way. And but there was also Esau who was like, yes, I was wronged. Yes, I had a lot of anger. But I realized that if I didn't deal with my resentment, if I didn't deal with the chip that I have on my shoulder, then not only would Jacob have stolen my birthright, but Jacob would have stolen my entire life because I wouldn't be able to live under the heavy 
the heavy weight of resentment. And so Esau had to do some of his work as well. Esau had to show up to the Holy Spirit so that when Jacob and Esau, who have both taken time back together, God was able to sashay in and be like, this is the type of right relationship that I desire for my children. This is the type of family that I desire to bring back together. I know that the our decisions are morally ambiguous. I know that we are doing the best that we can and sometimes we rupture despite our best efforts, but God is here to create a type of right relationship and we have to we have to create space for that. We have to have the bold conversations. We have to go to our therapist and talk about these things. We have to lean on our life together group to be able to sort through these things. We have to process and create art and write it out and be able to reflect again and again in prayer like god what do you want to have happen in with this relationship and pray even for our enemies pray again and again that god would bring right relationship and never shut the door that god wants open and and sometimes that come that has to come with a lot of boundaries Sometimes that has to come with a lot of time away, by the way, Jacob and Esau. If Jacob was like the next day, turn around, hey Esau, let's have a peace talk. Nah, like Jacob and Esau needed like decades <laughs> to do some work. But ultimately, when Jacob saw the face of Esau in his loving embrace, he saw the face of God. And my hope for all of us is that we can deal with conflict and these hard conversations in such a way that we can show each other the face of God. You know, this week I, and this is, uh, this will be the last thing I say. This week I uh, talked to a woman who was in her 60s and she really from childhood has had a really painful uh, uh, disrupted relationship with her mother. She, uh, there was always a lot of tension there. She's in her 60s. And, and then her mother um, needed some care, a 93-year-old mother. And this woman said, showing up to care for my mom when she was 93 was the first time that I felt like there was grace, tenderness, and affection in our relationship. After 60 years of life, that mom and that daughter could be the face of God to each other. And the Holy Spirit said, 60 years is nothing in comparison to an eternity of right relationship. Put in the work with the faith that this is the future we're headed towards. Amen. Amen.